Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Go and make careful search for the child, and when you found him, bring me word, so that I may go myself and pay him homage. Matthew 2, verses 8 and 9. This is Herod speaking to the three astrologers, also known as the wise men, who were inquiring about the whereabouts of the newborn king of the Jews, whose star they'd seen rising in the east. They promised Herod they'd return and tell him exactly where the baby lay, and off they continued on their journey to pay this new king homage. Unbeknownst to the Magi, Herod had a dastardly plan, and this is where angels come in again. The wise men are warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, but to take a detour home, which they obediently do. Then an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph while he's sleeping, with instructions to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt until further notice, because it's not safe to be around Herod anymore. Joseph drops all his plans of returning peacefully home to continue his quiet life as a carpenter and makes his way with his holy family to a foreign land. I'm impressed again. Had the three kings and Joseph not obeyed the angels sent by the Lord, our salvation story would have been nipped in the bud. But they didn't question or hum and haw as I would have done. And the rest of this particular story is not very pleasant. Herod feels so threatened that he slays all the male children to and under in his region just to make sure he covers all bases. We commemorate the slaying of the innocent, as it's known in the church, at this time of year. Herod's brutal paranoia shocks us awake and helps us understand why Jesus had to come to an evil world. We're reminded of how easily we slip into a mentality that puts personal protection, reputation and position above the rights of those who are vulnerable and powerless, climbing that corporate or social ladder, for example. As human beings, we have a remarkable propensity for brutality. We need God amongst us. Joseph remained with his little family in exile until another angel told him it was safe to go home. Herod was dead. And the rest is salvific history. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. And during this special New Year's Eve show today, I will be talking to Ali Lepreet, host of This Little Parent Stayed Home, whose show airs at 5 p.m. Central on Fridays here on Toginet. Ali's going to give us some tips on how to stay sane if we insist on donning the superhero cape again in 2012. Later on, I'll talk to Sandy Fowler, host of Heartfield Holidays, also here on Toginet Radio, Mondays at 1 Central. Sandy will be giving us a couple of tips on how to say no and when to say yes. So before you fill out those brand new calendars, wait and hear what she has to say about goal setting. My third guest will be a dear friend of mine, Dr. Anne Dunnewald, who's a licensed psychologist dealing with women like us who do too much in an effort to be perfect. Anne writes a weekly blog on her website, www.annedunnewald.com, called Who Says... She'll be giving us her top two resolutions for 2012, which could change your lives, how you think, and how you behave in just a few minutes at a time. I will also talk about New Year memories in our family, touch on what I think the New Year has in store for me, but who knows? So for the last time in 2012, join me as we take steps to face the excitement, the challenges, and the rewards in store for us in 2012. 
Find yourselves a comfy cushion and prepare to make crumbs as you tuck into your mince pie and grog, which in our house is tea. New Year's Eve memories in our household are varied, and I don't think it has anything to do with the Atlantic Ocean being between us. It's more about personalities. When this time of year rolls around, my blue-eyed powerboy will tell his childhood story of how he spent the last and first days of the year with his grandparents in Dallas. They lived on Abrams Road, for those of you familiar with the city, and she was the kind of grandmother who always had something good baked and waiting for her grandsons to sample with a glass of milk or even a soft drink. She was fun-loving, practical, and a church-going Baptist, and my Texan remembers she'd read the Bible from cover to cover and then start from the beginning again. On New Year's Eve, from the age of about five, he and his brother would pack their things to be taken over to their grandparents' house for the night while his parents went out. Everyone was always very excited, as they all knew they had a very special evening in store for them, one steeped in traditions that sealed themselves firmly in their memories to be remembered at will. When their parents had left, they'd eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and drink chocolate milk in a warm kitchen where she was preparing food for the next day, a ham in the oven and black-eyed peas simmering in a pot on the stove. His grandfather would go to bed at about nine. He just wasn't a late-night bird like his wife and young grandsons, who would stay up playing pochine and watching television programs, probably in black and white since this is an ancient memory, until the magic hour of midnight arrived. He'd always been allowed to stay up, never wanting to miss the fun and never having to. Close to twelve, he'd go into the kitchen with his brother and grandma to gather metal pots, pans and wooden spoons. They'd stand outside on the front step, which overlooked Abrams and was adjacent to the bedroom where their grandpa was sleeping. And at the first strike of midnight, the shouting, banging and hollering would begin. Happy New Year was sung out as the clock continued proclaiming the arrival of January the 1st. Happy memories, he says, though curiously enough, he didn't bring this tradition into our family. Maybe the street we live on's too quiet. Maybe it needs to be in the city where all the din is going on already, and a few more voices in the, uh, in the night aren't going to startle anyone awake, except poor old Grandpa. In complete contrast, I didn't stay up until midnight until I was in my twenties and had left home. My parents really didn't put much stock on the turning of another year. Happy New Month was what we said, and then, oh yes, and Happy New Year too. In Beirut once, we went to a party and ate haggis, which I notice is on sale here in Sainsbury's, an item of food that will not be gracing the McNenny table tomorrow. We'd sing, we'd sang Old Lang Syne at this party, which I didn't know, and held hands with strangers, which I didn't like, and had to kiss everyone, which I found awkward. I think I was 16. Need I say this was a one-off occasion? When I began to see the new year in, I usually went to a restaurant since all my friends were caterers and there was some good food to be had around the island of Guernsey. But my birthday was the day before New Year's Eve, so invariably I had to make a choice. Celebrate on the 30th, which happens to be today, by the way, happy birthday to me, or the 31st, because even back then I didn't have the stamina to go out on the town two nights in a row during what was already a very festive and busy time of the year, particularly for those of us in the hotel business. When I married my blue-eyed cowboy and we had a family of our own, we never stood on the front step and banged pots and pans together. The children were usually safely tucked up in bed, so it looks as though my family's 
no-big-deal attitude prevailed, during at least during the infant and toddler years. But this did eventually change as we decided to host parties ourselves when all the children could get themselves to bed without a bedtime story at midnight. We had a toasted sandwich party one year, I remember. People bought their own machines, and we had about half a dozen sets of sandwiches going at a time in the kitchen. At these parties, all our friends brought their children, who all knew each other from the theatre. When the boys started getting older, all their friends did too. Funny how that happens. And eventually they were doing their own thing at New Year, and the girls were left with us. Thus saw the birth of the Malia birthday slash New Year's Eve party. She was about 12 or so when this started, and it was her ballet friends who always came and spent the night. Yes, we had 10 or 12 screaming girls around for New Year's Eve, and one boy, the only boy in the class. Ah, were those the days. I have to say this. Living and raising my teenagers in a country where the drinking laws are strict, coupled with the added deterrent of running the risk of being picked up for drinking and driving while underage, the parties my offspring went to were usually alcohol-free. Here in my homeland, with the drinking age at 18 and younger, and public transport or walking as the preferred form of mobility, there's no worries about getting tickets or arrested unless, of course, you start a fight. The population as a whole drink a lot. Malia commented that it was expected. Without cars and very good trains and buses and taxis, if I was raising my teens here, I'd be worried about drinking parties. But happily, I didn't have to. This year, we will be completely on our own, and luckily there is a show tomorrow in the evening, so at least we'll be around some people. There's also a matinee on Sunday, so we won't be staying up too late, but we'll probably watch the turn of the year on television and crack open a bottle of champagne. We live next to a Scottish couple, so I don't know if they'll be doing any first footing. This custom starts at midnight and continues through New Year's Day and even into January. Depending on who the first person is to cross your threshold in the new year will determine your prosperity for the rest of the year. A tall, dark man is preferable because the custom dates back to when the Vikings were marauding Great Britain. So a fair, blonde man at the entranceway to your home or hut was taken as a threat. Whoever arrives bears gifts of salt for luck, a piece of coal to guarantee fuel for the fire, and bread as a symbol for food. Well, how does next year look for me? Well, I'm excited about continuing with my show and perhaps bringing on some interesting folks who may not always be homeschoolers, authors, speakers, or leaders who may have some fascinating things they do which could appeal to and augment the homeschooling day. I've only six more months before I return to America, and I can start making plans soon. During these months, I'm hoping that my handsome husband and I will have decided what it is we want to do now that all our children have grown up. We may move back into our house to get it ready to sell. We may move to another part of Texas and look for a farm. Hopefully, we will have sold our London flat, but that's not going to stop me from going home. I think we will have... We will have learned a lot about each other and our relationship. I hadn't really thought about it, but we had our first child just over a year after we got married. So we only had about three months really alone in the beginning of our married life. From then on, everything we did was influenced by potential or additional offspring. We as a couple sort of got smothered, only we didn't think so at the time. We were good about keeping precious moments to ourselves on a weekly basis. We always had date night when the children would keep to their rooms all evening, but we were still there in case of an emergency. We rarely went out preferring our own cooking. 
Well, this year we've renewed our relationship, rediscovered who it was we fell in love with and what it was we found attractive enough to pledge our lives to one another until death us do part. Because of these few and invaluable uninterrupted months of our lives, we know we can return to America and start the next phase of our journey together without wondering who the heck we are anymore. Well, with that, it's time for my first break. And when I return, I'll have a series of guests for you who'll talk about ways to enrich your lives and start anew in 2012. So you won't want to miss Ali Lepreet, Sandy Fowler or Dr. Anne Dunnewald. So don't go anywhere and I will be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to get your boots on with the Boot Campaign with hosts Megan Roth and Bailey Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 central on Toginet.com, sponsored by Austin Bank. The whole point of the Boot Campaign is to continue the true grassroots initiative developed by a group of patriotic women known as the Boot Girls. Inspired by the true story of Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, the Boot Girls got started with celebrities but want every American to get your boots on by purchasing a pair of the Give Back Combat Boots. The campaign's motto is simple. When they come back, we give back. For more on the Boot Campaign, go to the website, bootcampaign.com. The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show will feature discussions on current events impacting the lives of active duty and retired military, interviews with our nation's war heroes, medical professionals, and celebrities who have put their boots on. Do your part and join us for The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show with Megan Roth and Baby Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. My first guest is host of the Toginet radio show, This Little Parent Stayed Home. I've snared Ali Lepreet, founder of the widely popular rmilkmoney.com, an online search directory that lists the products and services of self-employed parents in more than 80 cities across the nation, to spend a few minutes with us today to talk about the upcoming new year and the pressure we women put upon ourselves because we believe we're part of that superhero culture where nothing gets past us without our input. Ali is passionate about creating a society where parents are given an alternative to expensive daycares, inspiring them to step outside their comfort zones and start their own home-based businesses. Maybe this is the year for you. Ali is a busy person. Go to her page on toginet.com to read all about her, but not yet. Stay right here and listen to what she has to say to motivate us into 2012 smoothly, without too many expectations, and with lots of love and care for ourselves. Welcome, Ali. Thank you so much, Vivian. It is an honor to be here, finally. Well, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It is. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely ready for the new year. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, let's get right to the heart of the matter. We're right. on the verge of 2012. Everyone's looking forward to a clean slate, making all kinds of vows and promises to themselves. How can we do this without letting ourselves down? <laughs> 
by the middle of January? Well, you know, it's, it's, I'm so glad that you asked that. It's, it's really an amazing process for women. We are very, very good at being everything for everyone else. And we have a really hard time giving to ourselves, as you know. Uh, it's, it, I think it's in our DNA, really, to be that way. But uh, the problem is that if we do not give to ourselves, we do end up breaking down. I mean, if we don't give ourselves the proper amount of sleep and rest and attention and healthy food and water, all the basic necessities of life, then we end up breaking down. And so one of the things that the first thing that we really should do is make a list of all of the times that we're going to give to ourselves to replenish ourselves. And that might mean rest. Like, for example, one of the one of the things that I did a couple of years ago was I made uh, a resolution that I would be in bed at 11 o'clock with lights out at midnight. (laughs) And that's because it was very easy for me to get caught up in working and uh, and you know staying up till all hours of the night blogging and, and being on the computer and getting all of the things done that I couldn't do when it was chaotic you know with I have young kids so it's very difficult to do all those things when you have a very busy house and so it just it, it seemed right for me to just stay up till four in the morning and, and and work when the house was quiet but the problem is that you end up breaking down when that happens and so my uh, my resolution which really ended up working really really well was that I was in bed by 11 doing a wind down activity, non-work related. That was my other rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was either reading or watching TV or uh, my, I, I, I love doing crosswords, mm-hmm. um, but it was non-work related. That was sort of going to shut down my, my computer of my mind and be asleep by midnight. And you say you've been doing this for several years and it's worked really, really well for you. Really well. That's only one component, but it has definitely helped for me to get the proper amount of rest so that I'm alive and awake and ready to take on the next day. Mm-hmm. So you find you can get through the whole day without having to, you know, take a nap in the middle of the day? <laughs> Most of the time. I mean, of course, there's times where we get sick. There's and, and, and I have broken my rule. You know, I mean, there's always exceptions. There's always deadlines where you go, oh, I got to break my rule this time. But I don't make a habit of it. I mean, we, you know, resolutions are all broken all the time. But for the most part, if I find myself slipping, if I find myself getting too tired and I'm, I'm not focused, I can usually take a look and go, well, it's because I'm not getting to bed. I'm, I'm not following my own rule of being in bed by 11 o'clock. So I have to go get back to that. Mm-hmm. So um, although that sounds like a, um, like a regular resolution, you know, that we think <laughs> of like um, I'm going to stop eating so much bread or, or something like that, um, it's a resolution that really makes a lot of sense. But I have a question. When did you do those things that you, that you were staying up until, you know, three or four in the morning? <laughs> oh, well, you know, like everybody else who makes a, a huge change in their life, first of all, they, they, they almost always have to hit rock bottom first. And I, uh, uh, I will tell you that it was about three years ago. In fact, no, it was, it was, it was three and a half years ago. I, uh, I wasn't going to bed at a proper amount of time. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was opening up my own business for the first time. I had uh, a two-year-old at home who was a very, very high-maintenance two-year-old, just lots of energy, always getting the better of me. And uh, I was up late. I hadn't slept in about six months because I was working so hard. 
and I broke down and I ended up in the hospital for three days. And when I came out, I knew that I had to make all sorts of changes. For lots of us, we have to hit rock bottom before we make these resolutions or we can just kind of, uh, you know, listen to other people and take their word for it if they've been through the experiences themselves. (laughs) Well, absolutely. So getting rest, I would say, is is one of the um, top priorities of a busy, busy woman's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we talk. You talk about, um, or we always talk about, giving back to nature, giving back to society, giving back to our friends. But what about giving back to ourselves? You talked about sleep, but what other things can we do that sort of pampers ourselves so that we can still be really, really busy and get all these things done? But we know there's going to be a moment in the week or during during the day that we're giving back to ourselves. Uh, well, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I like to put into place is a list of policies. You know, they're work policies. We live and die by policies. You know, whether you, you know, whether you do work in corporate America or you do work for yourself or you've been in school or you, you know, there's all these policies that are in place to keep us sort of aligned. And when we work for ourselves, we very often forget to put policies in place for ourselves because we're our own boss. And I have found that if you you, uh, if you let a lot of people know that you are self-employed, people somehow confuse your flexible schedule with your time being less valuable, and it isn't. And so one of the things that you can give yourself is a schedule. Write out a schedule when you're available for work, when you're available for phone calls, and the times that you're not available because you're being a, a mom and you're homeschooling in your case, or you're, uh, you know, you're just there with your kids or you're doing homework with them, but you have to allot those times. And one of the things that I have found is that your pace is a lot slower. You, you're not at the mercy of everybody else who mm-hmm. needs you all the time because you've created these policies. And the other thing that I've found is that everyone, every family needs a leader. And as moms, because we're always the go-to one to, you know, to take care of everybody, it makes sense for us to assume that leadership role. But as leaders, as long, if we allot that time slot for ourselves, this is for us to be together at dinner time where no phone calls happen and this is my time to work and and I'm not to be interrupted because there's another my husband's at home and he's taking care of the kids as long as you draw out a schedule that works for everybody and you stick to it it's a great gift to give to yourself because you're not over multitasking and making yourself crazy being there for everybody else except for yourself and so do your weekends look different to your weekdays absolutely i do everything I can not to work on the weekends. In fact, my other policy on the weekends is that I don't work on the weekends, but if I have to, I can make an exception if it's, if I have to get a major newsletter out or, you know, something is going on, but I'm not allowed to work more than five hours in a weekend. That's a, that's another policy that I have. Mm. So you're not only looking after yourself, you're um, allowing your family some kind of um, structure so that they know, okay, well, we can handle up until this time, because then we know that mum has finished with what she's doing and she is going to be free for us. Or your husband knows that, you know, the two of you are going to spend some time together over dinner or just chatting over a cup of coffee or something like that, because you are going to walk away from your work or your, um, whatever you're doing with your children, maybe to have some time for your husband. So exactly. Exactly. And I have found that when you structure it like that, there's a lot less resentment and your family is much more willing to pitch in and follow your policies if you've laid them out clearly. If you don't have them in place and you're trying 
trying to do everything at once, there's a whole lot of resentment. Mm-hmm. Resentment from you because you're being interrupted by the kids. Resentment, mm-hmm. by, you know, from them because work is always taking a priority over them. But if you say, no, this is my time for you, and you really engage yourself in your time with your family without any interruptions, then they're more likely to support you during those times when you need time away. Mm-hmm. I had a rule when I sat down at my computer to write. I would say to the children, okay, I'm closing my door two hours. After two Mm. hours, I'm yours again. And I would just not do anything else. I wouldn't get anywhere near email or anything. I'd just sit and those two hours would fly, but I'd get a lot done. And I I knew that the children would not even try to come anywhere near me. So I knew I was completely focused for that time. And so that was my rule, my my two-hour rule at a time, you know, so that worked really well. That's excellent. Yeah, so tell me, um, before we um, wrap up our little conversation here, what are some of your traditions? I know you have a really young family, so do you have Mm -hmm. a couple of little traditions for the new year that you've started? (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, we, I mean, we are right at the beginning of our traditions and I'm sure they're going to uh, take more shape as they get a little bit older. But one of the things is we always celebrate, we, we want them to take part in, in, uh, the new year. So when there's a countdown, you know, we don't make them stay up until midnight, but we'll do the countdown for the East Coast. They're allowed to stay up until nine o'clock and they get to watch, you know, the, uh, the ball go down in, in Times Square at nine and we, we toast in the new year and we put them to bed. And then my husband and I can wait a few hours hours and and do it again (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's wonderful that's what those are the kinds of things that we used to do and it's good to have different time zones because then you can we'd do it with England we'd always call England at like six o'clock in the evening because it would be midnight especially when the century turned and they were they were you know sort of um saying all of this stuff was going to happen things were going to crash (laughs) and so we called and we went oh everything's all right in England so it's going to be all right here but anyway so yes I can fully understand I can understand that and we have our little traditions like that but we're unfortunately going to be apart from our family this year um, for New Year. But um, I'm sure mm. Skype will help us out. Well, Ali, we've come to the end of our um, little talk about New Year. Thank you so much. And you've given me some um, really good ideas. And my listeners, I'm sure lists and schedules and policies. I think that's really good. And, you know, um, find time for your family as well as for yourself. Um, I've been talking to Ali Lepreet, and I will say goodbye for now. Thank you so much for being with me today, and I hope you and your family have a happy and prosperous New Year. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you, and Happy New Year to you, too. Bye. I've got to go on a short break now, and I'll be back in just a moment, so don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Tuggynet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. 
It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I've been talking to Ali Laprit, host of This Little Parent Stayed Home here on Toginet Radio. She told us a couple of things we could do as work-at-home mothers and homeschoolers to relieve the stress which we could easily adopt as a new direction for ourselves in 2012. One was to get enough sleep, a top priority. Be asleep by midnight, she said. Well, you don't have to tell me that twice. The other was to draw up a list of policies for your company or homeschool. That was a new idea for me. How long you'll work before a break, for example. Keeping certain family activities precious, such as mealtimes. Saying no when you feel your time is being devalued. As you just heard, Ali is full of energy and optimism. And even if you don't decide to run out next year and start your own business, I hope she encouraged you to balance your new year so that by the middle of January, you're not wondering what happened to all those goals you set only a few weeks ago. Connect with Ali later on this afternoon at 5 p.m. Central, right here on Toginet Radio. So stay tuned all day. And right now, my next guest is Sandy Fowler, host of Heartfilled Holidays, also here on Toginet Radio. Sandy is a wife, mum, and business owner who is also the creator of the Heartfilled Holidays Project. She's moved from stressed to blessed in her festivities and in her life. And each week, she shares her secrets with you on her program. Today, she's going to be talking about some of the pitfalls we women fall into as we try to be all things to everyone, especially at the end of the Christmas season when the new year hits with all its attendant traditions and resolutions. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you, Vivian. I want to just thank you for giving me a chance to be on your show. It's always a pleasure to join you and your wonderful listeners. Well, thank you. Well, and how are you today? I'm doing great. You know, we're getting through the holiday season and I have a daughter who has a birthday in there. So we have been celebrating and rejoicing and partying and having fun and getting an equal share of time sitting with my feet up in front of the fire and a cup of hot cocoa. Well, good. (laughs) Well, I have a question for me. For you, actually. We're exhausted after the family ups and downs of Christmas. It's all over. It was a huge success. And I, for one, am ready to breathe a huge sigh of relief and, and wham, New Year's upon us and I'm exhausted. What do I do? I've got so many things lined up for the new year. Already there are new calendars that we have to fill out. Uh, always a party. There's always an expectation of a party coming up and those resolutions. So what do you suggest, Sandy? Oh, there's a lot in there we can talk about, Vivian. But the first thing is, you said you're exhausted. So my response to that is, rest. Rest. That's (laughs) a good idea. (laughs) Well, we do that. We have this marathon holiday season. For a lot of people, it starts at Halloween and runs all the way through the end of the year. And, you know, we do the New Year's festivities and the parties and the football games and all of that. And then, without even taking a deep breath, we'd start diving in and go, okay, time for New Year's resolutions, got to achieve goals, got to do more. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take a deep breath 
into maybe take a day off or set aside a week where you have a few evenings where you can relax, whatever works for you. But give yourself a chance, if you haven't gotten it during this holiday season, you know, give yourself a chance to recharge your batteries and take that deep breath before you keep going because eventually you will run out. Even the Energizer Bunny eventually runs out of juice in that battery. It may last a long time, but they do run out. And the next thing that happens is, like you said, ooh, you know, blank new calendar, pretty new calendar. And we start adding new stuff. We go, ooh, I want to do this resolution. And so I'm going to go work out because I want to be healthier. Or I'm going to, I got this great new cookbook for Christmas with these different recipes and I'm going to try these. And we have all this stuff that we add in. Or, you know, maybe people got excited. They were listening to your chat with Allie there and they went, oh yeah, I want to, I do, I want to take it. I want to start this business or I want to reinvigorate my business or I'm going to do this whole new plan for my home schooling school. Mm-hmm. All of that is good, but when you go to put it on your calendar, number one, I'm thrilled. Put it on your calendar. You know, Write in as many of the things as you can because it shows you what you're really asking of yourself. So if you got that new cookbook that you said, I want to start eating healthier, or I'm going to be a vegetarian, or I'm going to do more crockpot meals so that dinner is ready every day. Whatever that is, then go, okay, well, okay, if this is part of my New Year's resolution or just something I want to do, then I'm going to write in on my calendar a little bit of time each day to make those meals. Mm-hmm. And maybe once a week, a little time to plan and grocery shop. And not that you have to do it then. You know, maybe I wrote in Friday from 1 to 2 that I'm going to make out my meal plan for the week and then on Saturday morning I'm going grocery shopping but you know my daughter has a taekwondo tournament so move it you know no big deal it's just on a calendar you just cross it out and move it or erase it and move it but I found that as I work with women when we sit down with a physical calendar or your planner or your computer or whatever it is and start actually putting blocks of time on there for all these great things we want to do, it gives us a little reality check. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know how busy it gets. You're, you're a busy lady with all the changes that have been going on in your life and all you do with your radio show and your blog. And still, you know, I know the kids aren't at home, but it certainly doesn't mean that you don't have to still be mom, you know. That's right. And That's right. So you've, you've got craziness going on there, too. You, you have all this fun stuff that you want to do for the new year. So enjoy it. Do it. Just put it on that calendar in a, in a very detailed way. When are you going to go to the gym? You know, when are you going to cook that food? When are you going to write the new blogs for your radio show? When are you going to look for new guests? So, Sandy, um, if if we could just do like one or two new things this year. And I think I think that's that's quite realistic because there's going to be there are going to be lots of other things that come up that you haven't even planned for you haven't even imagined they're going to fill your year naturally without filling your year on January the first just because you have an empty calendar. What would be um, a couple of new things that you might um, advise women to look at and to do that they some of them may be doing it but some may not have even thought about it like the policies that Ali suggested um, earlier on, what would you suggest? I would love to see women do, well, first thing is think. 
just whenever you're agreeing to something, whenever you're picking a new resolution, whenever you are looking at adding a new activity, take just a little time and think. And if someone's asked you to do it, say, you know what, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to think about this and I'll get back to you. How does Thursday sound or how does tomorrow sound? And give yourself a little time to go, does this fit my goals? Does this fit what I want to be doing with my life right now? Does it support my highest priorities and will it interfere those, you know, what I call the priorities of the heart, the things that are really, truly most important to you, that you would give up anything to make sure those things are taken care of. Mm-hmm. You know, is it going to interfere with those things? So take some time and think about it. And if you don't know what those things are, take some time and think about, okay, what, what really is absolutely most important to me in my life? Because there's so much great stuff out there. There's so many awesome things we can do, things that are fun things that make us feel good, things that are meaningful, things that help other people. There's tons of stuff we can do. But take a little time and think. So prioritizing is is important. Absolutely. You know, and and going to that place of not what everybody else thinks you should have at the top of your priority list, but what's really there for you. You know, what would you fight for? What will you absolutely not give up in your life? Mm-hmm. And we've all been there. When you say, get to sleep by midnight, I had to laugh. <laughs> because I, if I go to sleep by midnight, I'm in deep trouble. But I get up between 3 and 5 in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing. You know, you're, what are you willing to give up sleep for? You know, what are those things that come up that you go, I'm barely getting any sleep now, but I will choose to not sleep to make sure this happens. Those are mm-hmm. your priorities. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that you've shown yourself. So think, prioritize, and um, lighten up on yourself. Mm. Don't, don't expect yourself to do everything everyone else expects you to do. Because their priorities are different. And they're going to try to pull you into their priorities. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, think. Look at your expectations. And we won't have nearly the time, I'm certain, to go into this. But embrace the word no and the and know in your heart that you can kindly and respectfully decline any invitation well, whether it's I, you, to do something or to help well you know the older i get the easier it is to say no because there are so many other things now in my life because you know i've had a lot of years of experience and i found a lot of things that i really like to do so they they've kind of built up over the years and um i have learned how to say no. And that's the, the thinking that you say. It's rather like counting to 10, isn't it? You know? It is. It is a bit. It's, it's just taking a moment and not going with the knee-jerk reaction because the knee-jerk reaction gets you into so much trouble. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I have a hard time with that one. I, I really do. I agree. And, and I, I have to find myself, find a way to say, can I get back to you on that without sounding really flaky? Because I, I usually think that sounds flaky. That To me, that means they're going to say no. Okay, so here you go. Yeah. Here's a couple of quick tips. That sounds really interesting or fantastic or fun or wonderful, whatever adjective you want to use. I need to check on a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, can I get back to you on and pick a day? Mm-hmm. But it's just adding that little piece that says, I need to check on a couple of things. Or we've all you know, used the excuse, I need to ask my husband. Or I've even yeah. said, I need to check my kids' schedules. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is, give yourself an excuse because the fact is you do have to check on something. 
You have to check with yourself and you have to check your calendar and your priorities before you say yes or no. And you'll get to do all kinds of things you never thought you'd have time to do. And you will also say no to things that you shouldn't have been doing and are going to make you miserable and other people miserable too. And you're not going to do a good job if you shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. That's right. That's right. Well, Sandy, this time has gone very fast, but it was perfect. Exactly what we need. Little short, little snippets of advice to take us into the new year. Um, I've been talking to Sandy Fowler. She's host of Heartfield Holidays. Thank you so much, Sandy, for being with me today. I hope you and your family have a happy and prosperous new year. And you too, Vivian. I hope that you all enjoy yourselves. And thanks so much for giving me the chance to be on your show again. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. I've got to go on a short break now, but I will be back in a moment. So don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I've been talking to Sandy Fowler, host of Heartfilled Holidays here on Toginet Radio. Sandy gave us some suggestions for 2012 to make our demanding lives a little easier. One was to embrace the word no, unless it really moves the plot along, as I would say as a writer, adds value to your life. Related to the no word was her advice to think before saying yes, rather like that old adage, (coughs) count to ten. I hope my conversation with Sandy will help you make powerful choices to create a better new year for yourself instead of getting too many goals too quickly. You can listen to Sandy each week right here on Mondays at 1 p.m. Central. And now it's my great pleasure to welcome Dr. Anne Dunnewald, a licensed psychologist with more than 25 years of experience helping clients to cope with life issues and handle stress by developing new behaviors. I first met Anne while involved in children's theatre quite a long time ago now, and she fast went from being so-and-so's mum to becoming a dear friend who introduced me to her fabulous reading and critique group. She loves to drive, especially when there's a long, week-long writing retreat at the end of the road. She throws imaginative dinner parties where everyone gets to dress up. She's a whiz with a needle and can plaster a wall. She teaches yoga and meditation, has an infectious laugh, and always makes me feel clever, witty, and one of a kind. A great friend. Good afternoon, Anne. How are you? 
I'm great, Vivian, but you just made me sound greater than I can possibly be. Oh, well, you see, that's what you need. You need friends to build you up. Absolutely. Don't you? Absolutely. Don't you? So that's, that's just, what we need. I'll just have to uh, play this show again and again and again when I'm missing you and having a down day is, <laughs> oh, look, I really am wonderful. Vivian thinks so. Yes, <laughs> I, I think so, and you need to believe it. Oh, in the intro that I just gave you, I said that you help your clients develop new behaviors. And immediately I thought, oh, what a perfect topic for the eve of 2012. Here we are with empty calendars, pens poised, and if you're anything like me, a to-do list right beside us. And we're ready to continue in our roles as perfect superwomen who spend their lives trying to be all things to everyone just thinking about it makes my stomach sink. So, Anne, of all the resolutions women could make for 2012, what would be one or two that would find themselves on the top of your list? Well, I think the one that really everybody should focus on because it, it's a perfect lead-in from your to-do list is I think at the end of every day, we need to sit down and do what I call a did-do list. Mm-hmm. It's so often... We focus on the negative. We focus on what I didn't get done, or we focused on the meltdown with the child, or we focus on the frustration we had with the project, or whatever it was, or we focus on the mess that's still on the kitchen counter, or the dishes that still need done, rather than stopping and making a list of, this is what I actually did get done today. Mm, mm, that's a wonderful idea. I, have, it, I always have this long to-do list. In fact, I don't have a whiteboard here in England that I always kept on the side of my fridge, so I wander around the, uh, around the flat looking for my bit of paper where I've written my to-do list, and I can never find it, so I have to start another one. And I keep going back to them, and I go, oh, I hardly did anything. Look, look, I've knocked off one thing on that list, and it's been four days. Yes, and that's why it really needs to be a separate list. Mm, yeah. You know, we like to cross things off, and that gives us some measure, but then those of us who are a little obsessive like to crop copy the list over again so it looks a little neater but if you can have your did do list and a whiteboard is a great way to do it Mm -hmm. another really good way to do it is to take the dry erase markers that you can use on a a whiteboard and write on your vanity mirror oh right that's a good idea you can just write it up there as you go through the day maybe in the the powder room wherever you are closest to if you don't have a whiteboard is you just write okay i got that one done and I urge women who are talking with me in my office to think about the small things that we don't notice too. I hugged this child. Mm. I kissed a boo-boo. Mm. We had this long conversation in the car. Is We need to count all those intangibles that are such an important part of what we're doing if we're parenting mm. because we don't have any evidence of this. Mm. You know, there, aren't, there isn't any end result until they're, you know, 25 or 30. Maybe. So we have to tally it up every day. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that is just wonderful because there's a lot of times that you go through your day, and you don't. You suddenly find that you can't do anything that's on your list because something else has come up. You know, another exactly. crisis or emergency, or your children are extra demanding, or it's a snow day from school or something exactly. like that. You go, Ooh. Yeah. And this actually, the research is pretty clear that keeping a gratitude list. That's how the research has studied it. Is if you sit down at the end of every day and you write down what you are thankful for, mm-hmm. what you appreciate in your life, it actually helps boost our mood. It it has a lasting effect in terms of even a minute. Uh, eliminating depression from our lives. So I make it a little more practical, though, and because we're so focused on being human doings rather than human beings mm-hmm. that we do just value ourselves based on what we do. So that's why I make it a did-do list. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of things make it on your did-do list? 
Well, certainly projects will make it on my did-do list. Right now, I, like you, don't have any children at home, so I might have a a 25-minute phone call with one where I've helped one sort out some problem or just listen to them vent, and that will go on the Mm did-do list. Mm -hmm. The ways I take care of myself, like, I, okay, I I did my breathing or I did my yoga practice, that can go on the did-do list. Mm -hmm. The real practical things, but again, not necessarily the ones that are on the to-do list, though those can be on there, too. I like both types. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, so you heard that, everybody. Get yourself a did-do list as well as a to-do list. Right. And what else would you do, Anne? Okay, so I think the other thing that ought to be on everybody's list for the new year to build the habit is to develop small moments during your day where you can stop and you can breathe and you can sort of take a tiny little breather from the day and do what we call developing mindfulness. Mindfulness is being aware of just where you are in the moment. Most of us know about the concept from being in the now. You know, we Mm -hmm. talk about I need to be in the moment, I need to be in the now. And so if you can develop some small rituals where you just take even less than 10 or 15 seconds to center yourself and breathe. This actually does help your brain develop that capacity to be more in the moment. So, for instance, you want to tie it to something that's going to trigger it. A good one is if you're at a stoplight. If you're at a stoplight, you stop, you breathe, you focus on where you are body-wise, you let all that stuff go out of your head, and you just bring yourself into the moment. The light turns green, on you go. If at each stoplight, You do that, you center yourself that way. At the end of the day, your stress hormones are going to be way lower Mm. than would be if you don't do it. Really? Other ways that people tie it to specific behaviors so that they always have a trigger is, for instance, if your phone rings. Mm -hmm. Phone rings rather than picking it up on the first ring. Stop, take a deep breath, let it ring three times, put a smile on your face, and answer the phone. Mm. Because you can answer the phone with a different kind of tone in your voice if you've taken those few moments. Yeah. Absolutely. Another suggestion I heard from someone else was every time he goes to open a door, whether it's a car door, it's a door in his home, whatever, he stops, he breathes into a count of three, he holds it for three seconds, and he breathes out to a count of three. So every time you're changing venues, going through a doorway, you take that nine seconds to slow yourself down. This can just have a huge effect on just all the stress hormones reacting in your body and make you feel a whole lot better and make you a whole lot more efficient. So we're not talking here about, you know, having to even use five minutes or, um, you know, some people think, oh, I'll take a power nap, you know, 20 minutes. You can do something that is really effective in just a matter of seconds. Absolutely. And, you know, those little nine or 10 or 15 second increments spread throughout your day might not even add up to three minutes at the end of the day. So it really is a helpful thing for people to, again, build the habit because they think, oh, I don't have have time. Where would I fit that in? Mm. And that's why it's really important to tie it to some other kind of trigger so you'll remember it. Mm. Mm. Funny enough, you're talking about that. I was on a retreat um, once and this Benedictine nun were talking about praying and, you know, everybody says, oh, they don't have time for anything, let alone prayer. And she said exactly the same thing every time she walks through a door. Or standing at the microwave, heating uh-huh. up something. That's when she does. She says she calls them little little prayer bites. Excellent. <laughs> just I love tiny it. Tiny little time things. So, I mean, it all just ties into all walks of life, no matter what your faith is. It's just important to slow yourself down. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It has all kinds of health benefits physically as well as emotionally. Mm-hmm. 
Right, Anne. Well, what have you got planned? What do you usually do over the new year? Do you go away? Uh, yes, we usually, often we're home, and then we kind of pack up on Christmas Day or Christmas, uh, the day after Christmas to go and be with my family, who is usually convening somewhere uh, warm in the southern part of Texas. So we're heading to the Texas coast this year. We actually have a house that sleeps 17 to 24 people that we've rented. Wow. It is on the waterway and a mile from the beach. So uh, that will be a different experience because we've always been at my sister's home in San Antonio. Right, so you're, but your sister's going to be there. The whole family's yes, going to be there. Yes, everybody's yeah. going to be there. All yeah. the sisters, all the kids, my mother. All right. So, oh, how wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anne, that's all we have time for. Anne and I have been talking about changes we can make to our lifestyle. She came up with two really easy ones, I think. We all have to-do lists, so add another list and call it a did-do list at the end of the day. And then those few seconds to develop some mindfulness take a few breaths, just a few seconds, several times a day, will really help keep your stress levels down. Um, Anne is a licensed psychologist in Dallas, Texas, and her words of wisdom can be found each week on her blog, Who Says, at www.annedonawald.com. And if you go to my page on Toginet, it's right there for you. She's the author of Even June Cleaver Would Forget the Juice Box, Cautioning New Mums Against Extreme Parenting, and co-author of The Postpartum Survival Guide. And thank you so much for joining me. It's been a joy talking to you after all these months. I hope you have a great new year and a great holiday season. And I look forward to being back in the swing of things in Texas later next year. Yes, thank you, Vivian. Thank you for having me, and happy holidays to you, too. Thank you. Well, I've not only come to the end of another hour, I've also come to the end of another year. Can you believe we have three shows of our pantomime, Jack and the Beanstalk, this weekend? So I know where I'll be on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. My dancer daughter's turning 20 on the 2nd. Happy birthday, Malia. I'll be back same time, same place next week in 2012. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss the four of you in Texas. The hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guests, Ali Lepreet, Sandy Fowler, and Dr. Anne Donawald, and my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindell, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, and many others who are part of my growing audience. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.